You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Hey, and a good morning to you. A happy... What is today? Tuesday. Tuesday. All day long, buddy. Tuesday. Stay with me here. I'm just as confused, apparently, as <laughs> Iowa is. The lead. Yeah, the Iowa caucus that wasn't. Yes, voters in the Hawkeye State gathered last night in schools, community centers, gyms to show their support for a variety of Democratic candidates. But here we are this morning after, and we haven't a clue as to who won and by how much. That's because an app, yes, there's an app for that, that precincts were supposed to use to report the results didn't work the way it was supposed to, and now they're playing in catch-up. It's a mess, and it may be the end of the Iowa caucus as we know it. There's a lot to discuss, many moving parts this morning, and we're trying to break it all down for you. And joining us right now, ABC News senior investigative reporter Aaron Katursky, who I'm going to assume has not gotten a lot of sleep yet, because I know you were in Iowa yesterday, but you join us from New Hampshire today. They are not neighboring states, so I thank you for making time for us today. Well, you got to go where the candidates are, and the candidates, despite the mess in Iowa after the caucus uh, reporting snafu, didn't stick around to to see the results. Uh, they hightailed it right here for a frenzied seven days of campaigning before the first in the nation primary. All right. So, Aaron, let's talk about the snafu in Iowa last night for our nice. audience. I mean, <laughs> come on. Uh, break it down. What exactly happened or more importantly, didn't happen last night? Well, what didn't happen was... You know, the result of the caucus getting publicly announced because the there was a problem with the reporting. The the app that the caucus captains downloaded uh, didn't work right. There was a coding issue. Uh, the data was fine. You know, the caucuses were great. They all went off without a hitch. The the data that was recorded and, and reported was OK. But apparently once the, the data reached the, the Democratic Party headquarters, the app was only spitting out partial results. Oh. So they figured out that they they fixed the coding issue, uh, but they ended up taking uh, all the results by hand. And so the um, uh, that that just took a lot longer than anybody was expecting. And they still say they'll get the results to us today, but they didn't say when. Well, again, Aaron Katursky, ABC News senior investigative reporter joining us, was in Iowa yesterday. And I guess when you think about the amount of uh, time and, and money, resources that all of these candidates spent in Iowa, um, is anybody happy at, at this? Because the way I look at it is it almost doesn't matter what the results are. The story out of Iowa is you can't count. Well, that's right. And and I think that, you know, every four years, Iowa uh, faces questions about whether the caucuses are too unwieldy, whether they're truly representative, whether they disenfranchise voters, whether the state deserves its first in the nation status. And all of those questions, I think, will intensify after what happened last night. The, uh, the And the candidates, I, I think, are, are frustrated. They spent more than $71 million on ads alone to try to influence voters in that in that small state. And, and to not have a result is frustrating. Now, that said, they all declared victory because without any hard numbers why to not? contradict them, why not? Uh, but, you know, if, if the, once the winner is announced, their momentum from it may be a bit blunted. They don't get the, you know, the big splash on the front page with the victory 
you know, hands in the air uh, or, or anything that comes with that, you know, uh, that bounce. And for candidates who underperformed, well, they can just write it off to a goofy process. Right, exactly. We're talking to ABC's Aaron Katursky, senior investigative reporter about Iowa and the issues that they had last night. We still don't have numbers yet this morning, folks. But whoever does win, Aaron, I, I think that the impact is is going to be lessened. You have the State of the Union this evening, an impeachment vote tomorrow to be able to cut through the noise and the news cycle that is happening right now. Most definitely will frustrate these candidates. But I'm interested to hear from you, who was in Iowa yesterday, who you think this situation helps and who you think this situation hurts. I think it really helps Joe Biden. Uh, Judging by our uh, entrance poll, we get entrance polls in Iowa, not exit polls. Um, he, He may not have had uh, the the night he hoped for um, and and in fact the entrance poll showed at least in initial preferences that uh, voters who were most interested in a candidate who could defeat President Trump in the fall ended up going more for Pete Buttigieg and in the closing hours of the campaign Buttigieg had said you know I keep seeing these Biden ads that say we can't you know uh, risk uh, a fresh face to take on Donald Trump and he said. What are you talking about? We can't face future challenges with the same old guard and the same old faces. And apparently that seemed to have cut through because uh, Joe Biden is touting his electability as his his prime attribute. And and, uh, many Iowans, it seems, uh, went for Pete Buttigieg instead. So this could conceal any underperformance by Biden. and and still, Buttigieg, if he had the night that the entrance polls suggest, uh, could really claim that he's gathering some momentum, even if he won't have, you know, the, the same showing because of the snafu. He's ABC News senior investigative reporter Aaron Katursky joining us from New Hampshire after spending plenty of time in Iowa recently, including yesterday, as we still sit around and await some sort of results. But I, I do think that the the salient point that comes out of this is how muted whoever may have won, and we'll use finger quotes on that, uh, will walk away from this. Because, you know, Aaron, I know we've, we've switched now or shifted to New Hampshire and right, wrong or indifferent. New Hampshire is a very different process than Iowa, at least. I, I I should knock on wood when I say this, but it probably won't have the same kind of confused results. Well, it's a primary. It's not a caucus, which in and of itself can be unwieldy. You know, it's a two-hour process of uh, what's a primary vote take? Two minutes? Yeah. Uh, and, and they're hoping clearly for a sturdier result that will clarify the race instead of confuse it. Aaron Katursky, ABC News. One last question before we let you go here. Is it quite possible the last night you've covered your last Iowa caucus? Is this the end of the caucus, do you believe? You know, that's a fair question. And as I say, I think these questions about the validity of of caucuses generally and and the validity of Iowa specifically as as first in the nation, I I think those questions have to deepen. The, the, The party is already kind of frustrated by a process that really doesn't determine winners. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, you know, you, you can give some candidates momentum, but the state is hardly representative uh, of, of the Democratic electorate. Uh, so all of the skepticism uh, going in, I think uh, this certainly isn't going to help it on the back end. Aaron Katursky, ABC senior investigative reporter. We appreciate your time this morning. You Thank know, you, guys. 
you take a, you take a look at this, Pamela, and and does it matter who wins at this point? I mean, I think there's a solid argument that you could you could make that we've moved on already. And by the time this information comes out, I mean, what is it going to come out? Five minutes before the State of the Union? Yeah, it's, it still matters. No, I mean, it most definitely still matters. Just because you didn't get it initially doesn't mean it becomes moot. It means it doesn't have the impact necessarily. You're not going to get the headline. You're not going to get the headline, but, you know, you get the delegates. So, of course, it still matters. One percent. But yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, yeah, I just uh, I, I think for all of the money and time spent in Iowa. That's the other part of it. A, it's a bit of a waste. Because you don't get momentum out of it. That's what you it is. You're trying to build off. Push. Yeah, you're trying to build mm-hmm. off that momentum, especially when you go to New Hampshire and they've already just moved on to New Hampshire and we've moved on as well. It appears that the at the root of this is a technology yeah. app driven kerfuffle. All right. Um, maybe what Iowa should have done is brought a bunch of teenagers in to build the app. Right. <laughs> that probably would have fixed it pretty darn hard. Are you a parent or a grandparent who struggles with technology? And would you rather have the talk about the birds and the bees than ask your kids how to log on to the Wi-Fi? Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Technology can be a little bit uh, difficult. I can't tell you how many discussions I have with my mom. (laughs) I know where this is going. That involve an app, her phone, the iPad, or how to make the TV work. (laughs) It, It has supplanted the how's the weather where you are with the conversation of, so how are things going? I can't get... I can't get the phone to work. Well, I mean, I can't get the phone to work. I can't get the TV to work. The computer stopped working. How do I get the Netflix? They make commercials about it. Grandkids equals free tech support. Oh, Oh, Lord. Oh, look at you. So great to see you. None of this works. So my my parents all have, uh, both my parents have Samsung uh, Android phones. Oh, okay. And that's my sister. She's in the Android world. And I was very blessed that, like, they decided to go that route because she then becomes their tech support. But then my mom... They come to you and you're like... My mom went and screwed everything up and went and got an iPad, uh, which now means I am... You're now tech support. Riley have also become tech support. My daughter, who's 10. You say that. Yeah. So when my mom calls and has no idea, again, how to make the Netflix work, I I call my niece and say, can you go over to grandma's house... And show her how Netflix works. But you kind of see the hierarchy of this. Like yes. your mom and my mom, let's just go with that. They they need basic Struggle tech with support. Tech. Okay, but, but basic. Yeah, basic. Basic, okay? So they can come to you and I. Right. We can handle basic. I can handle basic. I can handle basic. But then if... I'm a step below the genius bar but at I, Apple. I, I'm, I'm, I'm steps way below. steps below okay, that. fair enough. But then you get to like a, a 12 or a 13-year-old. 
Mm. And and they are the genius bar, which makes it very difficult for parents like myself. My daughter doesn't have a phone yet, and she has an iPad, but it's just games, and I've got it pretty locked down. But when you start getting into the phones and you start getting into the technology aspect of it, kids are so much brighter and so much more aware of how that works. It becomes intimidating to us, like our parents are intimidated with the very basics of technology. Researchers asked parents... Okay, they asked parents, which is the more dreaded conversation to have with your kids? Is it, how the hell do I make my iPad work? What does LOL mean, right? They know what LOL means. What's, I mean, everybody knows what LOL means. The hell means. is TikTok? Or, uh, yeah, what, what is TikTok? <laughs> or, the birds and the bees. More people said the. The talk they're dreading is the tech talk over the sex talk. You know why? It's the fear of the unknown. <laughs> they know about the sex talk. Pretty much understand where babies come from. They don't know about technology. I right? got that, the babies part. It's the like, uh, I know what I'm talking about in one regard. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about in another. And, and, and therein lies the rub. And when you talk about TikTok, put me in this. Over a quarter of parents surveyed said they don't know you know, about the, the this, this social media platform. That, that, mm-hmm. I've, I know about it, but I yeah. fell into the 50%. That have no idea how to use it. Okay, we'll we'll do some TikTok for you later. Can we we get Pamela to just, do what's her favorite song? We'll, we'll, we'll do some TikTok later. But I mean, I, I also think for parents, it's not just about the why won't my why won't the movie turn when I turn my phone? Okay, it, it's more than <laughs> I that. Turn the screen. Okay, it's, 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 it's not turning. You have, lo- you have why, the screen locked. Why, the why, what? Why is that not? T- how do I turn that off? Oh, right? It, it's more than that. You can tell we've had these discussions. Yes, exactly. You can tell. Uh, but I think that for parents, it comes down, again, to the fear of the unknown. Not that they are, they are unaware of, of this technology. It's how do you protect your kids from it? Well, let, let me turn and the it around. safety aspects of it. I'm going to guess that your parents and mine... Um, when they were growing up, there was nothing they knew more about than their parents. Preach, brother. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Mom and dad like, were the mom expert and dad in knew, everything. But they were the expert at absolutely yeah. everything. Now, a lot of times, I thought they were stupid. Granted. You know, because you're a granted. teenager and I was like, I don't know anything. But, but in all reality, deep down inside, I knew they were the experts. But now, if you have a 14-year-old a, a in the house... I guarantee you they know more about technology than you do. So, think about this. I guarantee it, you. It then becomes like a negotiating thing, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. Oh, you want to take away my phone? Uh-huh. Yeah, you want to take away my phone? Well, good luck figuring out the how new, Google... The new Wi-Fi yeah. password. Because <laughs> I, changed, I changed it. What do you mean you changed the Wi-Fi password? Uh, yeah, you guys didn't even know you could do that. Uh, I went into the router and changed it. What the hell's the router? Can you start holding your head underwater? Yeah, careful what you wish is for. There, is there some truth to this? Yes. Chime in on our open mic yeah. line. Would you rather? Would you rather have a, uh, the, the the birds and the bees talk? Here's where babies come from. Or talk about technology Ask your kids. with your kids. Give uh, us a call on the open mic line 602-200-2733. The open mic line brought to you by Carol Royce Team. Get your home sold guarantee or Carol buy it herself. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com. Can the coronavirus, the novel coronavirus, be cured by drinking whiskey? One one guy says miracle cure. So it what, works. You, you get it by drinking Corona and then you fix it by drinking whiskey? Let's go with that. A bunch of alcoholics on our hands. Let's go with that. We're digging into it, including the delousing of... The what? The delousing of coronavirus uh, 
uh, potential people. This should be good. Oh, my goodness. The things that we are doing. If aliens are watching us, they're like, this This plant's not even worth taking over at this point. <laughs> they have dig- no idea what they're doing. Dig into it next. Not worth it. Arizona's news station. Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. The coronavirus continues to be a topic of discussion, a concern. Coronavirus, though, contains no... No Corona beer. No Corona beer. Yeah. The people at Corona beer would like you to just bleep and stop, okay? They want you to call it Budweiser virus. Ouch. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Natty light? No, that's not going to work <laughs> no, either. So uh, we, we do know that at least in other parts of the world, specifically China, that that it is a Real serious health concern, sure. right? Absolutely. Very serious. I'm not making light of it. No, no. I think sometimes you have to make light of a situation to get perspective on it because there has been a lot of panic yeah. about the coronavirus because I think there's a lot of misinformation and people just haven't taken the time to become educated on it. No, I'm not sitting here telling you that I'm the most educated, but I have taken the time to read up and try to formulate, mm-hmm. you know, my own opinion about this. I mean, there are facts and, and the facts are it's spreading. Yep. The facts are more people are dying, but the facts are this is a real China issue. Yes, we've got about a dozen other countries United States included, and, and heck, you don't have to look any further than Arizona State University to know how like communities are being impacted, sure. but it's still truly like a China-based problem. But we have a case here in Arizona. We do. And it's got a lot of people concerned. And yesterday, uh, Arizona State University President Michael Crow joined Gatos and Chad and just talked about kind of like what's happening on campus right now and, and how people are reacting. And here's okay. what President Crow had to say. I think that people are uh, wondering, you know, like, what is this? Is it new? Where is it coming from? That kind of thing. So there's just a general anxiety that is common for humans when they encounter something new. And so he talked a little bit about with that general anxiety of the unknown, their health services, their their mental health services have uh, been taxed because people imagine. are going and asking questions and are struggling with Stressed this. Stressed out. Which, you know, I hadn't thought of, but makes perfect sense. And then Governor Doug Ducey also joined uh, Gatos and Chad last night and, and talked about, from a state level, mm-hmm. what's going on. We have our Department of Health, Safety, and Services on this, Dr. Kara Christ. So we've got state and federal authorities that are coordinating on this so we can monitor the situation. And he says right now that risk of anybody else, can, you know, contracting the coronavirus it's still really low. And not only is it low, but we do know that there's also a, a, a very good chance. It, it's not lethal. It's not a death sentence. And that even people who have contracted it here in the United States are receiving treatment for it. Now, other places, and it's fair to say that, I mean, I still think that we have a relatively robust healthcare system and we're pretty uh, yeah. smart and sharp when it comes to, you know, how we deal with things. I mean, Center for Disease Control and all this. We're working on it, right? We're aware. We're smart. I don't think Indonesia is at our level. I'm going to acknowledge that. Okay. okay. Now, I don't mean. Where are we going here? To make fun of Indonesians. But, okay. But I'm going to. I was going to say. So I'm looking at a video, Pamela. Of people getting off of an airplane in Indonesia, in the city of Batam, 
Hopefully I'm pronouncing that Let's go with properly. It. And the flight was from Wuhan, China. Oh, they're actually still taking flights out. Yes. Okay. And I, I want to believe some of these are Indonesians trying to re- repatriate themselves. Yeah, makes sense. People don't want to be in Wuhan right now. Get me out of here. So I want you to picture this. You walk off the airplane. They're going to make you go down the stairs yeah, you're in not Batam. They don't, they don't. Going into a terminal, no. No, you got to walk. walk. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've got like a tent, okay, where your baggage claim is. So you're walking down the stairs onto the tarmac. Yeah. There are not one, not two, but five guys wearing those yellow hazmat suits. And they've got backpacks on with spray, with spray guns. And as you get off the plane with your luggage and everything, you have to run the gauntlet of them spraying you with disinfectant. Now, I don't know if it's Lysol. I don't know if it's liquefied Purell. I don't know what they're doing. But they are literally hosing people down when they come off the plane. And the only thing I could think about was, I thought of Officer Farva from Super Troopers getting deloused. I'm sorry about the delousing rods. Yeah. Standard procedure. <laughs> you thought about you, they're being deloused when they come off the plane. You see the pictures. I do see the pictures. These are people walking down the, 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 the steps and there are guys with they, what, super you, soakers kind of. Yeah, or like they look like uh, pest control and they're just spraying these people in their bags when they walk off. I find it hard to believe that even if there was the coronavirus, this would that's, do the way to, that's the way to solve it. But it might not even be the craziest Okay, thing. so they're, they're delousing uh, with, you know. Um, God knows what. Right. In, in Indonesia. Now, though, I got to take you to the UK. All right. And we've got a guy there. He's 25. And he claims that he has cured himself. Oh, oh, good news. He had a touch of the corona. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what he fix, fixed the touch of corona with? I cannot imagine. Whiskey. He, he, he says that he was able to manage, and, and not just manage, but to beat it. I beat it. He had a bit of an inhaler, you know. So it was able to help him with the cough, you know. But then, to top it off, he used my Grandma Spath's old remedy. Grandma Spath. Grandma Spath. What did Grandma Spath, what was her, her remedy? Whiskey and honey. Hot whiskey and honey. Little jigger, fill it up with whiskey, little top it off with a little honey. Really? And I was probably about six, seven years old. Oh, God, where are we going? At Grandma Spath's house. Had a bit of something. I had a little verklempt. And, and, and Grandma Spath's like, I, I got something with you. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and I got a little his, uh, whiskey and honey back in the day. Cured it, didn't it? Or you were too drunk to know the difference. <laughs> okay, I, I <laughs> rather though I rather though the the whiskey and honey approach of Grandma Spath than the garlic milk approach <laughs> from Grandma Hughes. Yeah, let that one sink in a bit. Hold on a second. Oh, it was uh, just a little bit in my Warm mouth right there. Garlic throat. milk. No. Yeah. I would rather die. Uh, Thank you. You would rather the whiskey and honey the, uh, or the delousing. So you know what it reminds me of. So my dad, Jose. Uh, um, rarely, if ever, got sick. Okay, just was kind of the kind never got sick. And people always go, how, you know, you don't get colds. You know this. And it, it, he used to eat chili peppers and habanero peppers, and you know, he always was eating like the hottest peppers he could find, the ones that when you take a bite you start sweating. And he says, I, I got to tell you, I firmly believe, and my research has shown that there is not a a bug or a virus that can exist in the body if you have enough habanero juice in it. Ugh. 
Just and kills I everything like, off. I was like, you know what? I'd rather be sick. So, <laughs> I just would rather. My dad be like, I'm so, just gonna, I, feel, I feel a bit of a tickle in my throat. I'm just going to have some peppers. No. Or some whiskey. Or whiskey. And honey. Or or get deloused. Garlic milk. In Indonesia. Don't do the garlic milk. Warm. Oh, my gosh. Like, okay, it was bad Nasty. enough when you said garlic milk. Nasty. And then you made it warm garlic milk. So at that point, I learned that like when you were sick, you don't go to Grandma Hughes' don't house. Don't say a damn don't. thing. No, don't. How are you feeling? Top 100%. Wait. Couldn't get any better. You look a little peaked. Uh, nope. 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 I just I'm, need I'm some sun. I'm good. Uh, oh, look. No milk. Okay, great. Do you go to live concerts? Maybe not as much as you used to when you were a little bit younger. I think we've all experienced this. We get to a concert, you're all fired up, you get the t-shirt, you're with your friends, and you stand around forever waiting for them to show up on stage. Well, Madonna, yes, that Madonna, is being sued for making people wait too long at a concert. We'll talk about that coming up next on Arizona's News Station. Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Oh, my Lanta. That takes me back in the day. Wow. You and I both. Borderline? This was like my favorite. I love this one. Um, so the reason we've got a little Madonna playing is because she is in the middle of a interesting novel lawsuit involving concert goers. Yeah, you got a couple of fans not so big and hot on her anymore, and so they are suing Madge. Madonna fan Nate Hollander expressing himself with a lawsuit. He shelled out over $1,000 for three tickets to Madonna's Madame X concert on December 17th in Miami. The tickets said the show starts at 8.30 p.m. But Madonna has been about two hours late for her concert start times, so future start times were changed to 10.30 p.m. That's too late for Hollander, who says ticket holders were not offered refunds for those who could not or did not want to attend the late concert. He's suing Madonna and promoter Live Nation for breach of contract, seeking 15 grand in damages. Okay, this is why I, I don't go to concerts on a school night, oh, particularly. Because you have no idea when it starts, no. nor when it ends. You know, you get that the, the time on the ticket, and you're like, okay. 7.30. That, that's when the opening <laughs> act that's begins. when they open the doors. Right, right, right. right. And so you got an opening act. Yeah, let's say, you know, they're up there for like 45 minutes. Yeah. All right, fine. I kind of have this. As soon as they're off the stage, there's a reasonable amount of time it should take for like the, the stage to be Set transitioned change. over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enough time for me to go to the bathroom. Got it. Get a beer. Got- and get back to my seat. 10-4. Okay? Yeah. About a half hour, 40 minutes or so. That's not what happened here. No. She showed up two hours late. Right. And I'm, I'd be looking at my clock going, hey, yeah. TikTok. Tick tock, baby. I've got things to do. Yeah, she went on stage at eleven thirty at night. Not okay. It's totally disrespectful. <laughs> someone's. I mean, I no, guess, you but don't. Here's the thing. Sue. This is hardly unique to Madonna, and and while she is constantly late for everything, it's like uh, uh, doctors and singers. Uh, don't respect your time. Yeah, so I have fired many a doctors, so probably about three or four in the last two years, because they haven't respected my time. Mm-hmm. I can wait 10, 15, 20 minutes in a waiting room. I mean, stuff happens. Or at least acknowledge how long it's going to be. It's called communication, folks. Sure. And if you choose not to communicate, I choose not to do business, and I fire you. Hence the reason why I also don't go to concerts. I don't put up with this stuff. My time is valuable. <laughs> And I'm not going to waste it here. But you know what else I'm not going to do? What? Sue. Yeah, uh, yeah, that does seem like a little bit of a bridge too far. If anything, they should have just given them their money back, right? You know, and said, you know, hey, I've been here for four hours. She's not on stage. 
I got to go. I got a babysitter. You've been behind the scenes, though. Oh, for, the, for those that, that uh, uh, are unaware, Bruce God. St. James used to run music stations. I used to promote concerts. Yeah, too. In, in like the hip-hop world, oh, pre- precisely. And so horrific. you've got some behind-the-scenes kind of it's never ended. fun stories about people running late. Running late? late? Okay, so we had a show here at uh, U.S. Air Center, America Worst, whatever it was called back then, okay? <laughs> okay. What is it today? Talking stick? Okay. Whatever it is. Where the suns play. And, I said that was such conviction, yeah, too. Where the right? sun, where, <laughs> talking stick? So where the suns play. And um, we had an artist. His name was Mace. And oh, I at one Mace. point, he had a yeah, bunch of hits yeah. and he sang on a bunch of stuff. Uh, and he was our, our headliner for the show. We had probably eight artists, I think. This had to be in the late 90s. Absolutely. Yes, it was. And um, so we opened the doors for the show. Okay. Right? And people coming in, and it was around that time, I get the call. Uh, Mace is in New York. They open the door, and your artist is in New York? People are coming into the concert. It's, no. it's 6, 6.30, and Mace is in New York. I go, is there a New York, Arizona around here anywhere? <laughs> what do you mean he's in New York? Well, he doesn't want to get on a plane. What do you mean he want to get on a plane? So in the bizarre world of the world of hip-hop, you have to, you have to use whatever leverage you got. Resources, yeah. Through a friend who was close to Puffy, we get Puffy on the phone, who kind of found Mace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. P. Diddy, whatever his name was, he's Puffy at the time. We beg Puffy to call Mace. Will you please call Oh, him? my gosh. And tell him to get on a bleeping plane to Phoenix. Oh. Because we have a concert, and he's supposed to be on stage in a few hours. We p- People are coming in right now. We can't refund everybody. I can there's, only imagine your anxiety level at 14, this point. There's 14,000 people here, you know? I mean, the place is sold out. Um, they're negotiating. The show starts. What's, the what's opening band starts. I don't understand this. He get, apparently gets a... He, I hear from him in Atlanta. I'm changing planes. It's like 9 o'clock. I'm like, I am going to die for deaths. <laughs> exactly. We get around 10, 30, 11 yeah. o'clock, right? We're getting near. The, the second to last act is going on. A cab pulls up. Mace gets up. Okay, I'm ready to go. Oh, I go, you are lucky man. it's 1130 because I would strangle you within an inch of your life right now. So he performed? And he just walked right on stage. So like, nobody like, even knew any of this was going on, but you have like I died lo- four I, times. Oh, I, it took three years off my life at least. <laughs> at least. I blame Mace. I blame Mace. <sighs> oh, Still man. hate him. You're Can't like, hear I'd like of, to sue him. I break out in hives whenever I hear one of those songs. You're like, change. Nope. Don't want to do it. Hey, thanks, Puff. Yeah. Thank you, Puffy, though, for getting Mace on a bleeping plane. What happened in Iowa last night? And is this the end of the Iowa caucus forever? KTR political analyst Mike O'Neill joins us next.